Hello and welcome to another episode of Stuck in a Lift. I'm your host, Alice Black, and today we are stuck in a lift with a pretty amazing woman, a very known woman to you all. If she's not with a toolbox, she's running half marathons. It's the one and only Gemma Moore. Doors closing. Welcome to the 13th floor. Stuck in a Lift HQ. Gemma, welcome to the show. You are a woman of many stories, but I have to start with what happened the other day when you had to put the tool bag down and pick up the bandages? So, um, yeah, everyone's been asking about this. So it was a normal Sunday. I um, was driving off um, up to the Yorkshire Moors to go for a run. And that's where I spend most of my Sundays because it's just beautiful and that's where I feel I need to be hence my Viking heritage and so yeah I just was heading up there Um, and I'm just coming up to a roundabout and literally as I came around the roundabout I saw a motorbike on the floor um, and a car the motorbike gone into the side of the car and instantly my brain switched back to uh, military mode and um, there wasn't many other people on the scene so I think there was another car that had stopped to help get the bike off the road and um, so I literally jumped out the car grabbed my phone and grabbed my first aid bag and was well no I hadn't grabbed my first aid bag at that point so I'd I grabbed my phone and ran out into the road as you do and um, telling everyone to calm down calm down and the guy that was in the car came running up to me straight away and was like oh it's my fault it's my fault I was like right okay that's fine go over there let me see to the casualty and um, she so saw the guy on the floor and he was alive he was talking which is always a brilliant sign um, and yeah at this point he'd actually was moving himself to the side of the road onto the grass so I was like okay now you're there stay there went through all the triage procedure and got the ambulance well obviously the paramedics on the phone at the same time and talking them through everything and I've not been in a situation like that since I left the army Um, and it was amazing how my skills just all literally came back to me Um, but I got him talking um, and it turned out he was a lift engineer as well, which was brilliant. And so we had more to talk about while I was trying to sort him out. Um, He was complaining about his wrist. So I knew his wrist was injured um, and had to to grab my scissors out my uh, first aid kit. So I obviously got that. And then and opened his jacket and I was just greeted to literally a jelly arm. So I knew it was a clean break. Um, I've now been sent a picture of his break and I can see how bad it <laughs> was, oh, wow. explained it all. Um, at this point, he went into shock. Um, if you've never seen somebody in shock before, um, it's very scary. Um, you can't prepare for someone going into shock because everybody's different. So I've seen people go into shock um, you know, for, for other things. I've dealt with a lot of road accidents, but that's a that's a whole different story. Um, but yeah, he was going into shock, so I then had to start, you know, being a bit more sort of stern with him and trying to calm down and breathe in and and that. And at the same time, there's other people sort of around you that have never dealt with this before, and then they're starting to panic. So you're having to just control the whole situation. Um, so I was so thankful that the ambulance got to me in like 15 minutes and um, that was the longest 15 minutes of my life and yeah. um, felt like longer 
but then obviously once the paramedics came they praised me for everything I'd done I'd done everything correctly so it was fantastic um I held the guy's hand until he went into the ambulance because they were having to manipulate his arm to get it into a splint so he then went high on um or what they give to the horses, ketamine. So he was high on that and having to manipulate his arm. Um, so yeah, but I'd spoke to him, I got his details. And then later on in the day, I was contacted by his brother-in-law who was a lift consultant, um, gave me an update on him, said he was fine. And then the following day, I actually got in touch with the guy that I helped and he was like, thank you so much for for helping me when the pain was at its worst um, and then his boss had contacted me as well um, and just said thank you so you know it was yeah it was a strange moment um, and then I disappeared and went up the hills for a run um, as you do <laughs> yeah and just kind of the whole run was completely different it wasn't the route that I wanted to do I was originally going out to do 20 miles but because of time and I needed to get back I only managed to do uh, eight, or well, eight in the moors. If anybody knows the Yorkshire moors, is really hard work. So like that, um, <laughs> steep hills. So yeah, the, the run was a bit different, and I just found myself when I got to the top, just looking down in the direction where the accident was, and just just literally appreciating life because you don't realise until you're in a situation like that, and not many people deal deal with stuff like that. Not many people stop. You know, not many people have got the training that I've got, so they won't want to touch anything. Um, you just realise that in a matter of seconds, your life can, can completely change. Um, you know, and you just you're just thankful to be, yeah, alive as as such. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, yeah, one of them things. But no, he's all good. He's um, recovering well. Uh, yeah, so. If there's any lift engineers about somebody has made a joke and it's absolutely brilliant it's one of the guys I work with Ross he made a joke and he said oh do they just put the lift symbol out in the air a bit like Batman <laughs> yeah and I was like actually yeah that was just kind of it was I just mean, yeah, so what, what are the chances <laughs> I know of all the people mm -hmm. he just happened to be a lift engineer um which was so funny um but yeah the I think I'm going to have to get a light made, aren't I? Just, you know, 100%. a symbol in the air, like Batman. Yeah, Bat yeah Batman's out the window. <laughs> the Gemma It's light. now Gemma. Yeah. Super Gemma. Yeah, she'll be there. <laughs> lift, lift Girl, that's, that's, that's the name. That's superhero Superhero, name. yeah. Yeah. Just, okay, yeah. let's go all the way back. All the way, all the way back. And okay. To school days. So did yeah. you want to go into the lift industry in your school days or where so did it start there when when I was a kid um so I can take you right back so when I was like four three four years old my dad was um still is um a video engineer so he used to build um you know when you go into like uh, control rooms and tv shows and they've got all the the screens and, and that so he used to build those right. so he would sit in the garage and he would piece together bits of equipment and you know and things like that and I used to find it fascinating so I used to sit with him in the garage and I used to um he used to give me loads of little bits of wire and um, 
and I had a soldering iron. I had a soldering iron at three years old. You know, let's just put that out there. Um, but he taught how to solder. I've never burnt myself, never, you know, in 37 years, never have. Um, so he taught me how to solder. So I'm just fascinated by how things worked. So fast forward to sort of high school um, when we got to pick our GCSEs. Um, I loved it. I actually got to pick electronics. I was like, this is brilliant. I was like probably the only girl on the course, but I didn't care because I got to do electronics. Um, so we made circuit boards and all sorts. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and my soldering skills were like top notch. And, you know, I could drop a tiny little bit of solder on without damaging the circuit boards. And, and it would work, whereas other people would put dollops on and stuff like that. I mean, and there's not many three-year-olds who get that training, right? I'm sure there's not. No, no, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> three until 16, I've been tra- trained how to yeah. solder. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I took my GCSE exam, handed in my coursework. My coursework had to get validated three times because they didn't believe it was my work because it was what somebody of, like, um, master degree level would would do when I was like I'm 16 um so I was like okay so they had to sort of get my dad in to say right your daughter has been cheating like, no she hasn't and oh, wow. he showed them pictures of what I was doing when I was like three four six seven and they were like oh okay so yeah so it stemmed from there but my path in life took a completely different turn and I went to do work experience and, and I went and did work experience. Uh, I did one week as a PE teacher at another school and then I did a week in the army. Oh my God, it was brilliant. I could dress up in camouflage, run around in the mud and shoot guns. Who wouldn't want to do that? Who really didn't want to do that in life? It was fantastic. So um, I had the option at the end of school whether to go um because obviously I was big into my athletics I was a young talent coming up had the option to go to Loughborough University to go um and study PE um, and become a PE teacher or so I'd have to do my A-levels and then go down that route or at 16 I could go off join the army see the world get paid um, and also continue my sport no brainer, no brainer. So that's where I went. I went off down into that path. Um, and when I joined the army, I wanted to join the Royal Engineers. Um, my husband is a Royal Engineer. But at the time, um, there wasn't many women in the engineers. Um, it was seen as a man's uh, patch. And yeah. the engineers did things like, um, so they'd build buildings. And so you'd have like carpenters, bricklayers, welders, blacksmiths, electricians, all stuff like that. So I wanted to go into the engineers to be an electrician. Um, I passed all the fitness tests. Um, I did everything that a royal engineer would do. I got stopped at the the last hurdle. There was two of us that wanted to go, two women. Um, They let all the boys in that wanted to transfer to that cat badge. But us two girls, even though we were fitter, because we were both runners than some of the, the boys that were going in, we were told no. And we were told no because we were girls. And that's what it was. And the the, the this the, the PSO, the personal selection officer, 
he was very old school. He was an old crusty man and he wanted to keep his cat badge, his cat badge um, as a man, as a man's thing. So no, so both of us, we went off and joined the Royal Signals. I became a radio, an airing systems radio operator and she did her thing. And, you know, life was as it was. I will say though, they do like women in the engineers now. It's all changed. But that was then, going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first, um, that was literally my first brick wall in life. Because I have boobs and a vagina, you can't do everything. You, 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 you can't, you're not allowed. It's not normal for a woman to be an electrician. It is now. So, yeah. you know, walking, yeah, yeah. this is back, you know, well, this is only really uh, 2000 and, well, early 2000s. So back then it was, you know, that was it. And that that day when I was told that I wasn't allowed to join this cat badge to do what I wanted to do and be a soldier, that lit a spark in me that to this day has never gone out. And that is why I... I am a feminist, but I'm not a burn your bra feminist. I'm I'm just a feminist. And if a woman can do the same job as a man, yeah. then let do it. I'm not all about girly, girly stuff. So I, I'm not a fan of these girls. That, no, I can't do that. Break my nails. You know, just get on with it, love. You know, it, it's those people I sometimes feel that give us the wrong name because mm-hmm. people think we're all like that whereas I know loads of women that uh you know literally get their hands dirty and you know just crack on you know I saw Charlene up in Scotland the other week she's a lift engineer up in Scotland and she was crawling around in a swimming pool lift not literally crawling around but you know I mean it was a (laughs) a humid lift and some girls probably wouldn't go into that oh my hair will go all frizzy but there's some of us there's a whole breed of women out there that are like we can do this. We are trailblazers. So, you know, that, that's, that's what it was. But the lift industry at this point in my life, I'd never even thought of it. Never, right. never thought of it. Um, it just happens to appear when I think I needed it. <laughs> what age was that? When did you join the so, lift industry? So I joined the lift industry um, I'm really terrible with ages and, and years. I don't even know how old I am, hence why I said 36, 37. Apparently I'm 37. I think I'm 38 this year, I'm not sure. Um, so when I was leaving the army, um, my old 2IC had already got out and he knew I was leaving because um, obviously of LinkedIn and everything. And he said, oh, there's um, a job opportunity um, for Otis because he was working for Otis he was national um, uh, contracts director or something at the time and he said you know this is in the lift industry do you want me to put you forward for an interview so I did I went for an interview with Andy Latimer and Craig Wrightson who I still now to this day work with um, to small world so they gave me my first opportunity in Otis and um, I was uh, sort of contracts and sort of admin and then it progressed into um sort of a little bit of sales admin and stuff like that but I hated being behind a desk it was like not you putting me in a coffin it was horrible so 
<clears throat> when um, jobs local to the office came up, they actually said, can I go and have a look? I, I'm actually really interested. And my boss, Craig, could see that I was interested and wanted to understand a little bit more. So he let me go out with the engineers. That was it. I was hooked. I was like, this is, this is brilliant. You know, this is, this is awesome. So at the time, I was only on like a temporary contract. So I was covering someone for maternity leave. So I did step away from the lift industry and went into financial banking, thought I was going to be the next wolf of Wall Street. It didn't work because it was corporate and it was in, you know, offices and yeah. me didn't fit. So I lasted like six months. Um, so that gave me a little bit of a knock of confidence. So I decided to set up my own dog walking business for like four years. It was very successful and brilliant doing what I loved. Uh, but sadly, due to a family situation where my mother-in-law had passed away, um, my husband was like, look, I know you love what you're doing, but you need to get a proper job. So apparently walking dogs isn't a proper job for anybody out there. Not a proper job. <laughs> so, <laughs> long story short, an opportunity appeared to go to Stanner. Um, so I went, had my interview um, with Craig, um, and he was like, yeah, perfect fit. So I worked at Stanner for like 18 months doing repairs, sales, and um, quoting. Again, got out in the field to understand what I was quoting for and got to have a little, I wouldn't say play, but got to have a little go on things and understand how things put together and like understand like load being tests and re-roping. You know, I was just literally a fountain of knowledge, just a sponge, just mm. sucking them. Um, then COVID hit, so we put on furlough for a bit, um, which was great because I just became a full-time athlete, so it was fantastic. Um, but coming back from furlough, this opportunity arose within Dewhurst. So again, went for the interview, thought, let's give it a go, go start career change. And at this point, I can say the rest is, is, is history. Everybody knows the rest of the story because everybody's followed it on on LinkedIn, me going out and sleeping on the job, apparently, as some people say last week, because there's a picture of me on the floor. Um, you know, I just get stuck in, I get dirty. Um, I've opened some lifts and been greeted with some horrendous sights. Um, but yeah, I've heard stories of horrendous sights while I've been on sites. Um, it just, I just crack on, I just enjoy it. And I love the fact that because I'm so passionate about what I do and I've sucked in all this knowledge, mm. people are now coming to me to ask me my recommendations for things, which if we go back to 16-year-old me who was just told that she can't do something because she's a woman, to now at 37 or 38. Whatever, oh, turnaround, yeah. Yeah, it, mm. you know, it, it's people are now asking me, people are coming to me and asking me for advice on what would be described as a male um you know job you know and that's the thing if we look back to to characteristics years ago you wouldn't see women doing this because it's it's a man's job you know you wouldn't see women mechanics because it's a man's job but now it's like some of the best people 
in these industries, some of them are actually women. You know, Formula One, you've got female mechanics and 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 stuff in there. And it's like years ago, you wouldn't have thought of that. You'd have been like, that's a man's job. Um, but you know, I just I just crack on. But because I have um, I think because I have the sense of humor of, of a man, um, because of being in the army for you know 12 years, um. I get on well with the guys, you know, and I have the same sort of banter level and stuff like that. And what people say doesn't shock me. It's just like, yeah, I've heard worse, you know. <laughs> and it is funny when I go to sites and some of the men will swear they'll go, oh, for fuck's sake, fucking thing won't fit. And they're like, oh, sorry, Gemma. And I'm like, it's fine. You know, it doesn't offend me. And then there's yeah. me, the tape measure out trying to measure something. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And they're like, okay so it kind of breaks the I can break sweat too yeah so <laughs> yeah. what do you say your hardest point of your career's been um I think it's just there is some days that are hard when you still come across those and there is a still a small percentage of men that are stuck in the dark ages and they'll they'll admit that you know I'm not bad mouthing anybody they they will admit that there is a small percentage of men that are still stuck in the dark ages and when you are trying to, to to tell them that what they're asking for isn't possible but this is an option and this would work because you've done it before and this you know just listen to me because I'm an expert in this and I'm trying to help you. No, 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 my way or the highway, that, that's mm-hmm. it. So it kind of gets to that and you get a feeling sometimes the way certain people speak to you that they're not happy that a woman is telling them what to do. And, you know, I see it all the time and I, I my husband works in... Um, the oil and gas industry again another industry where there's not a lot of women and he says he sees it occasionally where there is women and they you know they get kind of like talked down to so when I tell him some of like my situations he's like yeah you know some people are stuck in the dark ages and it is it's just there's like a a generation of men that I, I struggle with and those days I literally I just sit there like this oh for god's sake you know just just listen to me um so that's kind of the hard points there isn't there hasn't been anything else that's that's difficult because I'm just me I just get on with it I'm just you know blunt and to the point and I just deal with it but there's some times where it's just a case of I'm like just forget that I'm a woman just listen to my point of view because I can guarantee if what was coming out of my mouth came out of a man's mouth they'd be like yeah mate a totally different story yeah but Mm. because it's coming out of my mouth it's like do you really know what you're talking about love you know really and it's it's the same generation of men that I I saw I did a post on it a while ago um but I was going to a site and obviously I was in my car, got out my car and I was in sight gear. So I had sight trousers on, safety boots, you know, look like a proper worker. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and the younger guys that had seen me at the service stations were just, you know, would just give me a friendly nod because they're that that's that generation that is accepting that yeah. we as 
women are, you know, coming into that era where we're doing what we do. But then there's, you see these older men who were looking me up and down as if to say, what are you doing dressed like that? And then also I kind of, it kind of feels when they look at you like that as if to say, oh, you didn't succeed at school. You've just gone and done labouring because that, again, is another, another generation. Yeah, that just think, oh, you're only a bricklayer because you're, you're not clever enough. Do you know what I mean? That, that's the world that we live in. The stereotypes are unbelievable. So that's the only times when it's hard. But I dust myself off. I don't let it get to me. I might dwell on it for a minute or so and then write, okay, on to the next thing. You know, yeah. that's it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Stuck in a Lift, brought to you by Blacks Productions, is sponsored by VM Elevators Limited. VM Elevators is a premium and independent lift and escalator services provider, covering callouts, routine maintenance, modernization, design and installation across all business sectors. Their friendly and reliable engineers are always ready to help and are located throughout the UK nationwide. So whether you are looking to upgrade your existing lift or escalator, seeking innovative solutions for a new construction project, or requiring a reliable maintenance service provider, choose VM Elevators to be your trusted partner. Elevate your business and call VM Elevators for free today on 0800 448 8615 or submit a free quotation request form and find out more via www.vmelevators.com. VM Elevators, where vertical mobility meets unparalleled excellence. Follow on social at VM Elevators, hashtag we are VM Elevators. So if you had any advice for younger women coming up into the industry, what would you tell them? Um, just go for it. Just literally just, just go for it. Just enjoy every moment and just don't be put off by any negative attitudes by anybody um you're going to come across it um you know you come across it in life every day but just don't be don't be phased by the negative um attitudes of some people um you're as good as any other bloke um you're as good as any other woman you know you you just need to find your direction and path and just focus on where you want to go and just ignore the negativity um if you dwell too much on it then you know you're going to struggle and you're going to probably end up stepping away from your your dream um so definitely never never let the negative uh, people get in the way i was reading your interview for the lift industry news the other day and you mentioned um that not a lot of women once have started their apprenticeships potentially stay on and go far in the industry what's what are your views on that yeah so I've seen a few uh, women that have been apprentices and then they kind of like they'll do a year or so and then like as a as a full lifty and then they just seem to disappear um and I've seen a few recently I, I won't name names but I've seen some people they've I've seen them, they were on the lift, they were actually on the maintenance and repairs and modernization, and now they've gone into the office. Right. And it's what why? You know, you've got all those skills 
why have you now took a step back and gotten well, it's not a step back because people are going to get upset when we're saying that aren't they but you know they're taking a side step and they're going into the office obviously there can be reasons behind it like injuries and pregnancy you know stuff like that it's what women have to deal with um but I just seem to see so many that will do a few years and then just stop you know and it's just it, it's it's upsetting you I'd like to see women um do their apprentices and then carry on and then move up into you know higher positions like yes eventually you know they might go into a repairs manager's role but if they're a repairs manager they've still got that engineering side behind them because they've been a lifty so they understand stuff but when you see them just go straight into like an admin role that's got nothing to do with the skills that they've learned you're just like why why are you wasting it you know you need to jump in at that point that's yeah that light's going to come in that we were talking about earlier yeah gemma light flashing to the sky is going to happen yeah superhero yeah but no, like I saw, I was up in Scotland the other day and um, I saw uh, Charlene Morton, who now works for Coney. Um, and I knew her when she was at Stanner. She, she was one of the only women I knew that was an engineer when I was at Stanner. Now, obviously, she's progressed. And she loves life on the dolls. She's brilliant. You know, she's, she's yeah, she's just what? I, I, I love about her she's just she embraces it all and I was talking to her and you know she just gets stuck in like I say when I saw her she'd just been trying to fix a lift at a swimming pool and the humidity and the lift shaft and everything was horrendous but she just cracked on because that's what you know lifties do and you know she showed the customer and the customer was like wow it's hot in there she, tell me about it I've just been working in there it's just it's just nice to see a woman doing that and in, and enjoying it and embracing it and she has the respect of all the other guys up there in Scotland and um, you know she is absolutely fantastic she's a trailblazer um now I know there is trailblazers further down I know Jackson's have um some female apprentices um but I haven't met them yet so I can't, I can't big them up. But when I do meet them, I will be bigging them up as well. For all you listeners out there, if you're an upcoming engineer and a woman, then Gemma wants to hear from you. Yeah, so if you are listening and you are one of the female engineers that is coming through, that is an apprentice, if you see me, please say hello because I will love to chat to you to see how you're getting on. And it's awesome to see and I love it. I'm, I'm all about girl power you know I'm bringing back the Spice Girls you know (laughs) so all of us want to know the most unexpected experience you've been in whilst being in the lift industry I reckon you've seen a lot but have you got one that you would like to share with us yeah there is a lot there is a lot and lifties out there will be laughing at this because they'll be like yeah we've we've seen that um There is a time that always stands out to me because it's just hilarious. And the banter that came off the back of it was just so funny. Um, We went to, uh, I've got to be so careful here. Um, So we went to a lift 
Um, and it's a, it was a dumb waiter, I believe. Yes, it was a dumb waiter and it wasn't working. When we investigated why it wasn't working, there was a great big black furry thing sitting in the way of some contactors and wires. And that big black furry thing was a massive rat, absolutely huge. And it had died by electrosis because it had obviously climbed up, chewed into stuff and died, but it had shorted all the wires to the lip wasn't working but me and rats oh god I just seem to attract them it's oh god yeah so I've I went um I was at a train station um in central London now obviously you can get away with this because they say when you're in London you're like so many feet away from a rat and we were out the back so the back sort of back of house lifts which obviously transport things you know to platforms and whatever and where all the bins are oh bins were moving oh god (laughs) and I just went up to this one lift which we needed to go and the engineer I was with said don't look under there you might get a shock why would you say that and it was a big dark space so it's like, okay so I stepped back a bit got my torch looking, <laughs> and just looked under and shined my torch and all I can say is I saw all these little glowing eyes obviously it was rats it was rats and he's like, oh, watch this. He kicked a stone into it. And just, yeah, everywhere. Rats everywhere. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what they do, isn't it? And I've I've seen spattered rats in the bottom of lift pits. Um, I've seen all sorts in the bottom of lift pits, really. But yeah, it, it, rats is the, is the biggest thing. Um, I did get told a story. I'm not going to, I can't take credit for this, but this is this is brilliant. And I feel I need to share this because I feel that some people don't understand at times what lift engineers are greeted with. Um, so this is one for all you people. So um, one of my customers, I've seen photographic evidence as well. So it's totally there. Went to, um, went to a lift um, to do a survey. Um, the lift was in um, some apartment block and um, so, like, housing association, some big flats. They opened the lift door to be greeted with human feces smeared all over the COP. Why would you do that? Why would you? Why would oh, you think oh, oh. have a shit in a in a lift and then smear it all over the? the, the yeah, just. Oh. But yeah, they showed me a photo because um, I've got a strong stomach, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that is what lift engineers have to deal with sometimes. Um, and I don't think they take credit for it. Obviously, they didn't touch it. They got pe- uh, professional cleaners in to clean it. And then they, you know, they carried on with what they were doing. Um, but that's what, you know, people deal with. So I'm sorry if 
those girls that were listening a minute ago were like, yeah, we're going to be ramped up and go in the lift industry. And now I've just put them off. And um, well, I've, I've dealt with it. So I went to a, a block of flats before and I had to pull the COP off and um, to fully measure it. Um, and obviously when I took the bottom off it, the lift engineer that was with me was laughing because he knew what I was going to be graded with. Um, but yeah, I just dealt with it. So I lifted it off and all I can explain is when the, the, the metal work came apart from the, the floor, you heard this almighty crack and then I could smell the strong stench of urine just just lifted up into my nose. And please bear in mind at this point as well, I have to get like within feet of this smell. Pretty close. The, the depth of it and everything so I'm getting a full waft here of stale urine you know which is really what I needed at like 8 30 in the morning um and the engineer's laughing he's like are you all right do you want me to do it I was like no no I'm, I'm fine I'm, I'm fine you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but just gonna carrying be on and, yeah just 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 cracking on but that's in certain buildings you will come across some really weird things and you just have to this is where like my banter level is good because you just laugh at it and you're like oh well you know you just you just crack on um but when I explained to my boss what I dealt with he was really shocked he was like oh I was like that's normal that's literally normal (laughs) it's you know it's fine there'll be lift engineers out there that can probably tell you some amazing stories of disgusting things but it's just what you, you deal with. But as long as you've got your gloves on and you've got a strong stomach and you can just laugh about it. So we always love to end our podcast in tradition and ask, who would you want to be stuck in a lift with? So me personally, I would love to be stuck in a lift with um, Paula Radcliffe. Now, because, right, for me, she was my, I had a poster of her on my wall when I was a kid. Also, I had a poster mm-hmm. of Gabriel Selassie. Guys, girls, if you don't know who Gabriel Selassie is, Google him. But he was an Ethiopian runner who was fantastic. He's not the best of looking people. Well, he's not actually got any looks at all, but he was just a fantastic runner. And I had a picture of him on my wall because everything he stood for is what I wanted to do. Same with Paula Radcliffe. She was and still is an absolute trailblazer for women's running and she was the person that I looked up to and I have actually met her just recently and and it was exactly what I wanted just to just just meet her so when I was 12 no not when I was 12 why am I saying 12 no was I 15 I think it was 15 so when I was 15 I wrote her a letter um to say you inspire me all this all that and fast forward a few decades um I eventually got the chance to be on the start line of the great north run and she was at the end but I didn't get to see her and I was gutted I was like oh no so this this last great north run I did where I had the amazing opportunity to guide an international um runner round the the course she's Find um, which is a really good friend of mine. I thought, right, I am taking my Paula Radcliffe letter with me. I'm keeping it in my bag, 
And at the end, I want to find her and I want to get a picture talk with her. And I did. She had walk into the tent where we were. Yeah. And I said to my my partially sighted one, just wait there a minute. She was sat on the chair, so just wait there a minute. I have to do this. I was feeling ill at the time because I was dehydrated, but I had to do this. Rushed over to Paula Radcliffe while she's trying to get her food, you know, and just said, Paula, you wrote me this letter, like, so many years ago. Um, just, can I have a picture with you? Steve Cram's next to it. Again, guys, Google Steve Cram if you don't know who that is. Um, Steve Cram's next to it. I've met Steve Cram many a times. And he was laughing at me. He was like, I'll take a picture. So I took a picture. So I have a photograph of me and Paula Radcliffe with my elite bib number on, which... Guys, an elite bib number is literally like, like having your name on the back of an England football shirt and going out in Wembley. That is what an elite number means to a runner. Um, there I am, all my glory, um, standing next to my idol. Yeah, I'm made wow. up. But I'd be stuck in a lift with her because I'd love to. Now I'm moving on to um, road marathons. I'd love to pick her brains about her training and, and stuff. So if I was stuck in a lift for several hours... I reckon I would come out and be an amazing marathon runner with all her knowledge. So yeah, that's who I would be stuck in the lift with. That is pretty amazing. Oh, I can't even imagine. I bet I would have been speechless. I would have had no words. It would all come out gibberish. Yeah, I would look a little well, bear weird, in mind at the time I just ran 13 and a half miles. Um, obviously guiding somebody and guiding somebody is is hard work because mm. you having to uh, run your race but you're having to run their race as well and you're having to focus on everything and it was a tough day because it we know it was in September and it's in Newcastle you know so all the you know the stereotypes are there oh it's raining in Newcastle oh it's cold in September no no it wasn't it was 17 degrees when we were on the last few miles I was sweating beyond belief and I'm having to guide Charlotte and Charlotte knows that I'm suffering a little bit at this point because I'm saying I'm starting to you know be really dehydrated um because obviously when we go through water stations I have to grab the water so I have to grab the water for her I've only got one hand as well bear in mind so I have to grab the water for her quickly put it into her hand and then grab the last bottle of water at the end of the water station for myself now these water stations aren't 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 long they're they're, they're pretty short so we had practiced a lot in training with with doing this you know grabbing and, and me going hand and shoving the water in her hand um, so obviously I didn't take as much water on as I would have done if I was just running on my own. So it was hard. So bear in mind, I've done all this and then I've got to the end. I'm then having to obviously guide Charlotte round to, to get bags and try and get food and all this. So I'm like in the right state. And then there she is. She just appears. And I just run over and just, yeah. Hello. Go. That was the time. And it's, it's yeah. what you said, what you look like. You just had to go. No, because she's a runner, she understood. So oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So it was, it was good, but she just, yeah. And I think she was shocked that I still had this letter, but this letter is in my trophy cabinet with all my trophies, all my medals is there with pride of place. And um, I can't even keep a receipt for 30 days, let alone 
a letter for like you know 20 years yeah we are running out of time but thank you so much for joining us today. i'll have to come back and do a part two because i could probably waffle that for days <laughs> no i mean we'll get you in because there's so many more stories i want to hear but thank you though for this morning not a problem Listeners, if you are out there and wanting to join us for a chat and stuck in a lift, all you need to do is give us a message on LinkedIn under Blacks Productions. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, we ask if you can share the love and hit subscribe. We would much appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.